What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the NHL Pens Podcast. I'm Avery. Got Dimitri here as well. We're going to jump right into this episode, the third episode of the 2019-20 season. We're going to jump right into it. Um, So on Tuesday, October 8th, the Penguins played the Jets at home, and they lost that game 4-1. wasn't the Penguins didn't really put up too much fight with that game. It was a pretty disappointing game to, to say the least. Um, what were your thoughts on that game, Dimitri? Uh, yeah, the game versus the Jets. I mean, I'd like to just forget about that one. That was the game the Penguins should have won. I don't know if you remember. That was the big game where the Jets had no defense. Uh, the whole thing going into the game was the Jets had zero of their top six guys from last year. Obviously, guys like Truba Myers left over through the summer. Uh, uh, Morrissey was injured Buffalo and he's taking his break or whatever and uh, that's a team you think they had a, a bunch of just AHL guys guys like a, an AHL defense an average defense you think the Penguins would uh, light that up but that was not the case they actually scored three of the four goals the Jets defense and obviously the Penguins scored early thinking that's exactly what's going to happen Crosby with that nice redirection they're about to win 5-1 6-1 but nope the Jets come back and yeah. uh, when they, that was a disappointing game, but I'm pretty mean, sure Crosby scored like thirty seconds into the game or something like that. But we won't talk about that game that much because it doesn't really matter. And then the Penguins played the Ducks at home, uh, won that game two to one. Pretty solid game overall um, for the Penguins. Crosby's on a point point streak. I think he scored. In every game except for has a point in every game except for the first two. I could be wrong. Um, and then we move into Saturday, October twelfth, that weekend series. Uh, the Penguins battled the Wild and ba- and battled the Winnipeg Jets again. Um, first road trip the season came away with a perfect uh, four points and scored two touchdowns in both the games. Um, can't really complain. The Wild, that was a really solid game overall. Um, the Penguins really played like the Penguins. That was the game that um, the Ducks, unlike the Ducks game where I think it was more of a, it was just a battle to win that game. Um, but that game could have gone both ways, and the Penguins didn't really look like a good Penguins team. They looked like they won that game really out of, uh, a little bit of luck, and then they went in and played the Wild, and hands down, the depth, the depth immediately showed. Uh, and over the summer, our depth, our depth, had where we were in the high twenties towards the last league, towards prospect wise and stuff, and the depth showed up and took care of business in uh, Minnesota. So yeah, uh, yeah, I gotta say, uh, <laughs> on your point right there with the depth. That's just because everybody ranks the Penguins' uh, prospect pool 30th, 25th highest. And uh, I always say, yeah, the Penguins don't have the best prospects in the NHL. Uh, Like, they don't have that future top six, 30-goal score potential type forward coming up. I mean, they got guys like Legare, Poulain, but obviously there are long ways to go. Uh, You look at the Penguins' prospects, it's a bunch of just guys that aren't really supposed to be anything great. But the one thing I I will, and I'm not trying to be biased because I a penguin, obviously, but the one thing I, I just have to say is the Penguins' prospects. Obviously, there's no uh, high-end skill they, uh, outside of a few guys, but just overall, it's not like there's one guy that's just 
you know, medium elite type of if we're going on NHL 20 standards. Not, it's, it's a bunch of those guys like you, and I'm going to bring up these two games. Sam Lafferty, guys like that. These guys were drafted in the later round. Some of them were just drafted out of college like Zach Aston Reese. And they come in and right now the Penguins are in a position where obviously you're trying to find that medium elite if we're going from NHL 20 potential. You want to find the guy to take over Crosby and uh, Malkin, obviously. But they're still here. They're, they're still... Uh, I would say at least a few more years before they completely fall off. You want to find guys that can slot in underneath them. But the, how the Penguins on the cup, pretty much. They, guys like Gensel who come up, Connor Sheary, Brian Rust. Those guys to come up, uh, they, they're the ones who, who are going to, you know, you have your top six. Guys. They're, they're going to be the guys in the back who, if you don't have depth, you're not winning no cup. And th- that's what the Penguins have done such a good job of doing from, we'll say, from their first cup up until now, uh, 2019 going into 2020. They're so good at finding, whether it's via draft or college signings, they're so good at finding these guys that aren't supposed to be you know, elite prospects, 30 goal scorers, potential, right? They can come in on your fourth, third line, and they do so good. And in my opinion, obviously you want those high, high, uh, you know, the, the 30 goal score potential guys, the guys who are supposed to be future stars. Obviously you look for that in the draft, and that's what you want for your team. But the Penguins, the one thing that... And you look at a team like the Oilers, who've had so many first overall picks, and right now they're still struggling to make the playoffs. Uh, you look at a team like the Penguins, who no first-round picks in the last, what, 10 years? They've had, what, like a few? And this is how they're winning games. This is how they're winning cups, is the the, uh, the depth draft picks they're getting. They're get, Look at their team right now. A, a bunch of them, outside of the top guys, they got guys like Murray, who's the starting goalie, playing great, drafted in the third round. Sam Lafferty. L- look at all these guys that are making an impact. Adam Johnson. All these guys, the bottom six have have been found outside of the first round, which is I think the key to winning cups. And the Penguins, teams like Detroit have done it perfectly uh, in the past few decades. Chicago's done it, and I think that's just the recipe to winning cups nowadays in the salary cap era. And the Penguins are showing a great job here with their scouts. You know, not always needing a first rounder to you know to build your your franchise going forward. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, we had Adam Johnson scored his first NHL goal. Um, Sam Lafferty scored his first NHL goal. He had a multi-point night too, Sam Lafferty. I think he had two points at the night. Um, but the depth, like you're saying, it's I, if the Penguins get everybody back healthy and stay healthy for the rest of the season too, the Penguins have the potential to be a very scary hockey team. When they're healthy, if everybody's scoring, Patrick Hornquist is scoring, Zach Aston Reese is scoring, Ken scoring, Gensel scoring, Latang got his 500th point. Um, so it's everything's everything's rolling for the Penguins. And you know, Johnson had a goal, uh, Joseph Landisi. So it's everybody's pucks going in the net, and um, one thing I want to point out on defense too. John Moreno, he's been a solid defense, and I like him. Um, I agree. During the wild game, he had 16 minutes of ice time. Jack Johnson had the least amount of the team, finished with a minus one and had a penalty. Not a big surprise there. Um, but overall, the defense is playing really well. I think better than a lot of people a lot of people expected. And I think the Penguins are silently gliding to success and they're not being talked about a lot because everybody's I don't know understand what the big deal is with this year with the NHL and NBC post and who's at, who's undefeated still and stuff like 
is it just me or if I feel like they've just been focusing more on who's undefeated. I mean, granted, all the good teams and stuff, and the Penguins are certainly silently coasting and being a dominant team and not being talked about right now, which is a which is a good thing. A very good thing, right? Because uh, obviously NBC, they're doing it for for the fun of it, right? Oh, who's undefeated? Yeah. It's, you know, it's cool to see whatever, but uh, I think the Penguins are in a definitely good position right now. Uh, but also, it's a good problem to have, but when everybody does come back, right, you're going to send somebody down. The Penguins, when they're healthy, have, I believe, 13 forwards on the team. Uh, yeah, because when, when they were healthy on opening night, they had their 12 forwards and Brian Rust was injured. So if Brian Rust is in the lineup, one of those guys would have been benched. Or not bench, but, you know, sat for Brian Rust. So when healthy, they got 13 capable forwards. Now with all these guys coming up, they have about, what, 15, 16 with Lafferty, Adam Johnson. Yeah. I'll say deserves a spot. Even a guy like Blondisi, who's been great on that fourth line with Lafferty. And, and, knowing, and knowing Mike Sullivan's history, Sam Lafferty will probably be sent down, and he's hot right now. I think if when Rust or Rust finally comes back, I think you leave Rust out of the lineup a couple of nights to let Sam Lafferty really prove his point because he's been a solid player for the Penguins. And also, too, Eric Branson and Jack Johnson have finally been getting healthy scratched. More Jack Johnson. I like Eric Branson. Uh, he hasn't really been too good this season. Um, but John Marino against the Jets that second 18 minutes of ice time, he had more than Marcus Patterson and Justin Schultz. So he's turning into a stud defenseman for the Penguins, it seems so far. And Tristan Jari, his first start of the season, too, uh, saved 27 out of 29 shots and 930 save percentage. Uh, he had a solid start as well, too, and hopefully he can continue the trend of being a backup goalie so that the Penguins can rely on him and not have to really burn out Matt Murray. Yeah, exactly. And that was a huge win for a guy like Tristan Jerry. Obviously, he's not going to get talked about enough because they won 7-1. He had a six-goal lead to work with. Uh, but uh, the thing is with that, or was it 7-2? It was one of the scores there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 7-2. Uh, the thing is with Tristan Jerry, uh you want to win it. That could have, you know, he had a lot of an early goal in the, in the beginning of the game. Could have went very much different than how it ended up. But Penguins, obviously, the goal scoring came through for them. This, obviously, getting the first one on your first start, huge confidence booster for a guy like Tristan Jari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and going forward, the Penguins have a lot more back-to-backs this year. Those are never going to go away. I believe they have another one coming up this week. They're going to probably... Now, it, you know, you have the... Okay, we could probably play Murray. And we know we have Tristan Jari tomorrow. You know, And, and w- the one thing you do want is you want to rely on Tristan Jari on just more than back-to-backs. So you want to be able to play him on a, on a game where there is no... Uh, game the next day, right? Just to give Murray that day off. So it all starts with that first one. If if Tristan Jari has that bad first game, or oh, now for him to get as a backup goalie, for him to get his confidence back up there, it's gonna take. It could take a while, but now he's got that first one under his belt after his first game. Uh, and he played pretty good in it, in my opinion, right? We're not gonna talk about him because he he had seven goals uh, from his offense. But again, in the beginning when it was zero zero one one, he was making those big saves. So and that's every save for a backup goalie is a confidence booster. So, obviously, getting the win, even though it was 7-2, it was a huge uh, confidence booster for him. And I'm hoping he can carry that into next game and the game after that. Because it would be huge for Murray to to get about 25, 30 games off and giving it to a guy like Tristan Jari, who can hopefully be able to play that. And then Murray being healthy for the – and not only healthy, but fully, you know, just not uh, – not no energy wasted not break, going – yeah. 
not break down not the broken playoffs down. like he has. Exactly. Have him ready for the playoffs. Past couple. Because if you look at the both years they won the cup with Murray, you know, he came in midway as a rookie, right? He him and Fleury split the games in the second year. So what I've seen so far, obviously he's a young goalie. But when Murray has to play with sixty ish games, that's when I think that's for any goalie really, unless you're really, really good. It's not even about skill either. Way. Even a guy like Carey Price, too, right? He especially plays Murray, games. where we know he's a Vesna contender, where he seems like he has 10 hot games and then he has a couple really crappy games. The consistency needs to be there for him, and I feel like this is a big year for him to prove that he's he can be a good, solid goalie throughout the season and playoffs and not have these up-and-down moments uh, I mean, but every yeah, exactly. every goalie goes through it. But the best ones, like Vasilevsky, Holtby, they might have one really bad game and then they bounce back. Murray has one really bad game followed up by another okay game and then another eh and then another. We should trade Murray, Flurry. That the, that whole debate starts. I think Murray's gonna <laughs> be consistent this year, and I I hope to God he stays healthy too. Because that's another thing we're going to talk about too. All the injuries—it's just ridiculous. Jared oh, McCann. Crazy. Was, Jared McCann is now day to day with a lower body injury. So the list of forwards is now Malkin, Bukestad, Galchenyuk, Rust, and McCann. Hornquist—we thought he was going to be out a little bit, but he's—he managed to come back. I'm sure he's playing through something, which I'm sure will affect him down the road. But I mean, what do you? I, it's with the Penguins playing down, especially too. If we keep winning and we keep blowing teams out, which I don't think tomorrow night against the Avalanche, I think it's going to be a good close game. That's that's going to be a real test for this this Penguins core and especially the younger bottom six to really test against a really solid hockey team in the Avalanche because they're buzzing right now. And then we play the Stars, who are are joking, and the Golden Knights, who are probably the best team in the West. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And then also, too, we got some trade rumors with Jack Johnson, Eric Gerbranson. Uh, Ryan, Brian Rust's name has been floated in out of a couple, but nothing's definite yet. So it's looking like Jim Rutherford might be shopping um, either Gerbranson or Johnson. Uh, I think he was looking for... It's, it's some said forward, some said defense. I think we're solid defensive wise. We might want to get a forward that we can, a younger guy who could stick in there and then go back down and play in the AHL who has potential. But it'll be interesting to see, um, especially since, or we just try to trade one of them for draft picks if we keep winning and clear some cap space so that we can re-sign some of the players that we need to re-sign next season. But, yeah, exactly. Because uh, a guy like uh, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but no a guy like uh, Brian Russ. Uh, Brian Russ is on. A, I don't want to put like a spotlight on him because the guy's injured. Yeah, I can't even have a chance to prove himself. But he's definitely on the on the clock or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, uh, he comes back right. A guy like Brandon Tanev, who's been really good in my opinion, uh, contract aside, whatever. On it, on nice play, he's been really good. Uh, and again, he was compared to a guy who plays just like Russ over the summer. So everybody was asking, why did we sign him if we already have Russ? So the speculation already from the signing was, okay, then that means Russ is going to get moved. We start the season with both of them. Russ is injured day one from the season uh, to start preseason and everything. He's injured. So we don't get to see much of Brian Russ. We see Tanev, though. And Tanev is clicking with the team. Now we get all of a sudden a guy like Sam Lafferty, who if he continues this 
But because again, he can he can definitely cool down, right? He can go on a on a streak where they go eight games and he gets a one point or whatever. Then it makes sense where you send him down once players get healthy. But what if it's the opposite? What if he he keeps scoring? He keeps getting points, right? Uh, Sullivan is really trusting him. I, I think I've seen him on the penalty kill a couple times. Uh, the game against Minnesota where he scored his first NHL goal, he was on the ice at the end, killing that, uh, protecting that lead. So again, right? He's trusting him at the end of the game. Uh, that was just his what his like third, fourth NHL game. So. Uh, and then he scores on the empty netter too. So with every game that comes, uh, Sullivan is trusting him more and more. So if Lafferty looks turns out to a guy who can play in your top nine, now you look at a guy who potentially, same as Brian Rust, maybe even better offensively, makes about $3.5 million less, and uh, it's in a year where the Penguins have to sign like half their team in the summer. So trading a guy like Brian Rust, when you have a guy like Sam Lafferty, who's, again, you don't want to make the decision right now because it is, what, four or five games? You want to see if he can really keep this up for at least a month, two, before you make that type of decision. Because we know Brian Rust, he can play. You don't want to trade him away and come playoff time. Lafferty's not, you know, experienced enough. You know, Brian Rust, he's shown his playoffs. He could, he can definitely step up when needed to. So that's definitely going to take time if you do trade a guy like Rust. But I definitely think there's teams that are interested in a guy like Rust. I don't think his contract is bad in any way. It's definitely a team that come trade deadline time would definitely trade a second, a prospect, something like that for a guy like Rust who could play in their middle six, shown that he can play good in the playoffs. So that's a very important question, right? With a guy like Tanev, who pretty much does the same as Russ, and now Lafferty, who can replace that third-line goal scoring that would Russ would bring, and if not, do it even better. Very interesting, right? Maybe you package him with a guy like Johnson or, or uh, Erica Branson, right, as the sweetener, throwing a draft pick, and now you've cleared up close to $8 million with those two guys alone. So that's definitely a question you have to ask when Rust does come back. Yeah, and also, too, if he does come back and he has a pretty mediocre thing where he's not, it was a couple games he's not scoring, then I think it makes sense to trade him, too, especially if Lafferty, I think, honestly, too, if Lafferty keeps scoring goals, keeps putting up points and stuff when Rust comes back, do you even bother trying to put Rust in the lineup too if Lafferty's hot, or do you just keep Rust out of the lineup and then if Lafferty keeps going and looks like he's not going to slow down, then do you look training Rust then too? So it's definitely going to be interesting come later to the season. I think if the Penguins keep playing like this, I tweeted this too, if the Penguins keep playing like this um, and we stay healthy and all that, um, we're going to be a dark, dark horse to win the uh, – Stanley Cup sleeper team. Uh, we're not, which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's still the it's still the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's still Crosby, Malkin when he's healthy. You know, Crystal Tang is back there. Uh, I, I never see the day where the city uh, Crosby, Malkin's Penguins would be the dark horse to win the cup. But guess what? That's the best place you want to be yep. come playoff time. When you're a team like Tampa, right? Number one, your all expectations are on you. Well, you turn out to get swept, which I don't want to make fun of because the Penguins also got swept. Uh, I think just like the 2016 Cup run, Penguins weren't really the favorites, uh, I don't think. Uh, when they played the Capitals, everybody, and including myself, I hate to say it, thought the Capitals were going to win with how they played in the season. And then what happened, right? 2016 and 2017, I feel like the second round on, the Penguins were underdogs, except against Ottawa. I sort of knew we were going to win that. Game 7, double overtime, two... I had a heart attack. I think every Penguins fan did. Nashville, after the first game, I was like, yep. I figured we'd lose a couple in Nashville, but I, the Penguins, I feel like when the odds are against them and they're not the favorite, I think they that's when they play their best hockey. Look exactly. What we did against Tampa, Easter Conference Finals, too. Um, 
So, and the Penguins too. The year we lost the Capitals, we were favorites just because we we're the Penguins. We we beat the Capitals. We still own the Capitals in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. Until the Capitals can win at least three series against us, then okay, it might be a little even. But we still own the Capitals. Like, yeah, definitely. Not one playoff run isn't going to change that. Right? The Capitals have a lot of work to do to, to tie this up. Because uh, if you look at the all-time series, I don't know exactly the number, but I know the Penguins still dominate that. I think it's at the end of the day, all-time. I think it's still, uh, ten and ten and two. Penguins of ten. Yeah, that's crazy. The Capitals beat us once, and then other than that, it's just been yeah. But hockey is also a sport where it's what happened last, and the Capitals are currently the the winning have won that last series. So it doesn't really matter what the Penguins have done before that; they got to win the next series, which is very possible again this year and happening. Maybe another second round match, or maybe a first round. Almost happened last year. Jay Gensel scoring that goal at the end, and then to get the Penguins to play the Capitals or uh, Islanders, I should say. Uh, but it was supposed to happen last year. It could easily happen where the Capitals Penguins meet up as two and three playing the first round. Can you imagine that? That'd be crazy. But like you said, we want the Penguins to be good, obviously. But I like when the Penguins aren't supposed to win. When you know everyone picks the other teams, because that's when the, I feel like you said it's the perfect way you put it. The Penguins are their best when they're not supposed to be here. When they're not supposed to be winning, right? Even a team like Nashville. I'm pretty sure I, I don't remember it during the time, but I'm pretty sure the Penguins were the favorites just because of Crosby, Malkin coming off that Game 7 double overtime. I'm pretty sure they and you know, uh, the Predators had no Johansson. I, I remember that. Penguins were the favorites, I, I'm pretty sure. But then what happened uh, in Nashville, I'm pretty sure the, the analysts changed their, 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 their pick because Nashville came in destroying the Penguins in Nashville, came back in the series. What happens as soon as people start doubting the Penguins, they come back, shut, two shutouts in a row, win the Stanley Cup. So that's what I just love about the Penguins, Crosby. Anytime anybody uh, just looks the other way, they'll come right back and prove you wrong, which I'm hoping, again, this is the year they can do that, you know, prove everybody wrong, get that fourth yeah. cup for Crosby Malkin. That'd be so beautiful, you know, just to end up a great era. It would be. And, I mean, also, too, I'm, we know we don't talk about standings. Standings don't really matter right that, that much right now. Playoffs started today. It'd be Penguins-Capitals first-round matchup. Carolina would be playing Detroit. I'm sure a lot of that's going to change five, it's, six, seven months from now. Buffalo's five, zero oh, and one right now. It's going to change. Detroit, I don't know how that's. Flor, uh, Flyers still suck, which is funny. New Jersey, <laughs> so, oh my god, dude. Let's yeah, t- let's talk bad. about Sam Lafferty for a second. More points than Jack Hughes. Sam Lafferty and Capocacco combined. Capocacco, that's such a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> But he's leading rookies right now, so if he keeps that up, I think he's going to be the sleeper. If if somebody put money down on him to win the Calder Cup somewhere and it continues going this way, you're going to be one rich boy. Um, I wish. If he could just be in the talk come April, I, I'm happy. But I don't know. I feel like we're, we're kind of jumping the gun. Here yeah, we're definitely, there, we're definitely jumping. There's a high possibility. High possibility he falls, not falls off, but doesn't keep this. There's like up a point, on the fourth line. I think there's like a point five percent chance that I'm going to give him to win the Calder. I think Jack Hughes will start to heat up once he scores that. Yeah, first definitely. Goal. But I mean, right. Um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, Penguins this week. They have a def- decent schedule the next couple games. Uh, like I said, we're playing our first Wednesday night hockey game tomorrow night, and then we're going on to play Dallas. And then Vegas. So we're actually in Pittsburgh both games. So the Penguins don't have to travel. 
And then we're playing the Florida Panthers. We're going on our little Florida road trip. And then the Penguins have a decent road trip. They have a three-game road trip. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. We're definitely starting to play some good teams, uh, except the Dallas Stars. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Penguins play against Colorado and Vegas, and hopefully we can keep that win streak going. And um, go from there. And we're also playing the Edmonton Oilers, who are actually good right now, five and one. I think that will change. And then the Boston Bruins. Uh, so good games coming up too. It'll be interesting to see if the Penguins can get back Malkin or Kachenyak anytime soon, uh, or or even Bukestad. Yeah, I'm actually very excited for uh, that Oilers game, like you mentioned, but that's a couple weeks away. The game tomorrow against, uh, or Wednesday night. I'm excited for this game. Yeah, that's a game. That's going to be a fun one because, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody's picking Colorado to win that one. I would too if I'm an expert here, an analyst, but, right, you can't count the Penguins. I feel like I'm more confident with this Penguins team playing the 5-0 Colorado team than with the fully then the Penguins, the Penguins team that played yeah. the first two games of the season, absolutely. I don't know what's wrong with this team. I'm more confident in them when they have injuries than when they're fully healed, yeah. fully healthy. I think w- this team just underperforms like when I they think have when all their team. Comes but when, back, they, when people count them out, that's yeah, when, when people they, count, they do their yeah. best. And I think when Malkin comes back to you, he'll, I think Malkin will be even more out for more blood, just pissed off, and he'll be... Hopefully Galchenyuk does something. I wasn't really too impressed. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really too impressed with the... I mean, he only played two games, so that's not really a big sample size. But And also, too, the people complaining about Brandon Tanev not having really produced anything yet. His speed is noticeable for us. And I just... I think Tanev, too, if he doesn't put up the points, that's fine as long as I you notice him flying around the ice, too. Um... Yeah, and again, listen, you want him to get points because the, the contract he signed in the summer, that's a contract where you're yeah, hoping for some yeah. points, right? But at the same time, it's not like he's, like, I don't, like, exactly what you said. He's playing good right now because uh, you look at that first goal uh, versus the Jets on Sunday, uh, that was all Tanev, the, the czar goal where he tapped it in. Look at Tanev, who started that play. Uh, Tanev is creating a lot right now. Whether he's on the score sheet or not, I'm noticing him, which is something you want to see. And the guy you just gave $3.5 million for the next, what, six years. So, again, I don't have a problem with the contract at all as much as other people do. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, affect their opinion on him just based off the contract, which is kind of stupid because, again, after after year three, the Panthers are probably going to be not as good. Probably maybe not even make the playoffs in that type of category. So after year three, when the contract does, if it does get bad, it's going to be after year three, four, five, you know. That, that's when the Penguins are going to have tons of cap space. Malkin, Crosby, or actually not Crosby, he's got a while left, but Malkin, Latang, they're going to get new deals. I don't know if they're going to go up or down. depends on where they're at in their careers. You know, the Penguins are going to be a way different team in three, four years. So, you know, I don't have a problem with the years they gave him. Maybe the price is a bit too high, but that's what happens in free agency. If you're going to sign a free agent, you're probably going to overpay by 500k to a mil, to two mil, depends who you're signing. So, it just happens like that. The years, it sucks, right? Six years, but it happened, right? It's not like they signed a guy who, you know, a guy like Milan Lucic from the Oilers signed him to what, a six-year deal, where from year two, that was a terrible contract. From year one, it was a terrible By contract. that way, speaking, kind on, of, speaking on Lucic and that trade, I think the Oilers are winning this trade. James Neal, the real deal, has eight goals on the season. So I think, I think he's back. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I definitely knew that was going to happen with James Neal. I mean, James Neal was never a bad player. I don't know where we got this whole thing where Neal turned into a bad, terrible contract. I, I think, contract it, was, I think it was just bad teams and the people around him, too. It's like when he came I mean, to Calgary P- was a good team. It's so like that, was, he, that was a weird one. It's like when he came to Pittsburgh, too. Everybody was, uh, but then he played with Malkin, who sort of saved his career. So I'm happy for him. I think I'm a James Neal fan for life. But. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm not even rooting against James Neal. I, I, I'm happy to see him score all these goals. I hope he gets 30, yeah. 40 even, you know? I mean, I'm get happy. A, get a second 40 goal a year. Happy any ex-Penguin does well, as long as it doesn't affect the Penguins itself. So Exactly. But uh, but especially a guy like James Neal. He definitely has a, a special place in my heart, right? Not winning anything with him sucks. Like, you know, but obviously, I'm, I'm going to say we obviously won that trade. Uh, obviously, right, two Cubs uh, later, Hornford's still on the team. Neil has left, like, two, three teams since then. So I don't look at it as, a, like, I'm happy for Neil, but, oh, we need to make sure Hornford's is doing good, too. Hornford's could just get no points from now on. For me, the trade is kind of, like, like, like it's gone from my memory. I look at James Neal as the player, not as the ex-Penguin who was traded for Hornford's. I just look at him as a, as a player right now who played on the Penguins, so... Uh, he definitely was one of my favorite Penguins, so I, I, I want to see him succeed. I don't have any grudges with it. Usually when there's trades, you you want the guy that you got to do better than the guy you gave away. But it's already been established that Hornfist has done way, way much more than Neil did here. So that's where I'm at the point where I hope Neil just does – I hope I see Neil win a cup one day, right? I want I want the best for James Neal as for a bunch of other Penguins, right? Because uh, guys like that, right, they were my uh, favorite Penguins, right? I grew up watching James Neal. He got traded here, I believe, 2011. And he left around 2015. He got traded away. Yeah, uh, 14, was... I think. Uh, those were the growing up years. I think I was 11 in that when he came here, and I, when he left, I was 15, 14. So that's me growing up watching hockey. So uh, James Neal definitely. I, I want to see him do good, and I'm, I'm not mad at all that he's scoring goals with the Oilers. Yeah. So it sort of wraps up. We're trying to keep it a shorter episode today. So it sort of wraps up what we're going to talk about the games and stuff. So we're going to jump in. Uh, some questions from you guys with the uh, InstaPens Instagram account. It's the new Instagram account. Uh, thousand followers in the first day. Um, not a big deal. We'll be ten thousand followers by the end of the end of the season. Um, so yeah, let's jump into some questions from the fans. All right, yeah, here we go. So the first one I have here uh, is actually what we were talking about before, trying to get some questions that have to do with you know the topics here and of course it's about sam lafferty this guy asked if sam lafferty makes the team when everyone's healthy who gets moved and why so kind of like what we were talking about before um, i think rust that's the only yeah. only one i can think of i don't think mccann because i think mccann he's a player that's i mean rust too he's proven that he can play on the first line but mccann's also proven that he can put up points even if he's not scoring and I think overall McCann's a, a slightly better than Rust, so I can see Rust being the uh, odd man out in that situation. Yeah, and also another guy that uh, uh, that I mean I agree. I, th- I feel like Rust is the popular guy that everyone's going to say because of his contract and now that he's hurt. But a guy that no one's really going to mention, and I don't know, maybe we would like to part way was, ways with him. But a guy like Nick Bjugstad. Uh, yeah. makes even more than Rust. Maybe that's a guy you can part ways with. He's... Uh, maybe both. Maybe both Rust and Duke said if you get the right deal, could definitely would save a, a ton of cap. I'm gonna be. Ton. I'm gonna be blunt here. I. I haven't been. I don't think Nick Bukestad coming over to Pittsburgh was a. 
I think it's turning into more of a Derek Broussard type of deal. Um, he's a good player, but it's just not. It's not really panning out. As the Penguins say, I think McCann was the better option, which was funny because everybody thought it'd be the complete polar opposite. But I could see McC- I could see Bukestad getting moved down too. Yeah, actually, I really, I don't think it's that bad for Nick Bukestad. I think compared to Derek Broussard, Broussard was a different uh, situation. Uh, Bukestad, I'm, I'm a fan of so far. Yes, he's a bit overpriced to what he's, what his role is, but for what got him for, uh, I, I like, like, I feel like he's been our best third line center ever since losing Nick Bonino. Uh, he's been better than Broussard. He's been better than obviously Greg McKegg, That whole uh, trying to find a third line center. Uh, and he's been our best fit since a guy like Nick Benino. Uh And he only came, he only got half a year of Bukestad. So I think, you know, it sucks that we lost him on game number two of the season. I felt like he was, he's another guy who's going to come here and get some sort of a bounce back year, even though I don't think he had a bad year last year. But a guy who's going to come in in his first season as a, peng, as a, as a Penguin, uh, his first uh, regular, you know, from the start. And I thought he was really going to, you know, be one of the better third-line centers in the NHL. But just like Malkin, I thought he was going to have a bounce back year. Game number two of the season, injured both of them. So yeah. we're gonna have to wait till well, what around November ish to find out if he really is a solid third line center, which I think he is. They're trying him out on the penalty kill before he got injured. So uh, even if he's not putting up points, I think he's a guy who you can trust, especially playoff time. Right, points don't always come in the playoff for players, right? So if you can contribute other ways than just getting points, that's that's way more than enough in the playoffs. So if a guy like Bukestad could just be a solid penalty killer, obviously. You're not paying four point one million for a penalty killer, but at this point, if that's what we have in him, I think uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. And obviously, if he chips in here and there as a secondary guy, right, with also playing solid defensively, I'm okay with that. And Nick Duke's that. Yeah. So I think we should move on to another question. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, a lot of them here about Lafferty. So obviously, people are excited about him. Uh, I'm gonna go with this one right here, and. Uh, it actually has nothing to do with uh, anything that we were talking about, so that's why I'm going to pick it. Thoughts on Coach Sullivan on the past year or so? I think that's an interesting question, too, because Mike Sullivan, he's a guy that when everyone went down, everyone started, maybe, you know, if Penguins don't, or not when everyone went down, but at the beginning of the year, if the Penguins weren't going to start off how they wanted to, I, I saw some guys pointing the finger at, you know, do you move a guy like Sullivan, fire him if, if the Penguins start below 500, we'll say, by December, right? That, that's an interesting question right there. I say no, only because he came in, won two Stanley Cups, and came in mid-season as a coach and won a Stanley Cup. It's too early. If anything, the only person that you move, God forbid, if Jim Rutherford does another stupid trade where we get this stupid cap and it affects the team, then you get rid of Rutherford, but you keep Sullivan because I think Sullivan's... Sullivan's one of those coaches where he's <coughs> he's a gem coach. I think if he has a bad year too, I think if the Penguins are below 500 come December time, heaven forbid, I think yeah, that's when you blow the roster up and accept that we're not going to be a solid playoff team. As much as it says, I think that's when you trade people and try to re-sign the key pieces that you want to keep and also bring new people in too and give them a trial run and turn the St. Louis Blues, but I, nah. anybody who wants Sullivan fired, just, no. 
That's all I'm going to say. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Mike Sullivan, obviously now you're not going to talk about it. Penguins are a 4-2 record. Uh, but I'm saying like the whole question was if the Penguins go down that road of uh, being below 500. I think Mike Sullivan has a longer lifespan as a coach here than the average coach because of his history with the Penguins. Uh, I don't think like your average coach would fire him midseason if he's not like a guy like Mike Johnston where the Penguins were quick to fire him when the Penguins oh, were not doing so well. So yeah, bad. It was so bad. It's but like, I don't think Mike Sullivan gets the same treatment as no, Mike Johnson. I think he's going to have a few bad years under his belt before every he gets co- even every thought of does. being fired. I mean, Dan's Bilesma, too. He only had that one good like year. Like, Dan Bilesma got a long time. He, he got a long time. To, uh, a bit too long, in my opinion. I think after 20, 2009, when we won that cup with him, I think, I think he should have been fired after the Bruins swept us. I think he should. Oh have yeah, been, that's actually a good point. He right should there. have been fired before well, he that. Up, yeah, I, he was definitely on the hot seat after the Bruins swept the, the Penguins because then he ended up getting fired the year after when they blew that three-one series lead to the Rangers, which is yeah. oh my god. But I think yeah, Dan Bosma definitely had a longer lifespan just after that 2009 Cup uh, win. Yeah, uh, right. He could you could have made the argument he could have been fired in 2012 after losing 2010, 11, and then 12 to the Flyers. Yeah. So that, crazy blowout series you can make the argument he could have been fired there but obviously you keep him around uh you had injuries there are a lot of injuries to crosby and malkin during that time so you can't really blame a guy like bilesma you keep him i think the final straw was that 3-1 series lead uh, to the rangers that's exactly when you know you look at the sweat you know, everything had that happened that led up to that the penguins were far, you know that was at the time when crosby malkin were right in their prime right you can argue the penguins wasted some of their prime but then you look at what they did in their later on years. They got those two cups. Then you you stop that argument right yeah. away because you know three cups is perfectly fine. But at a point they were getting wasted by a guy like Dan Bilesma, so they definitely gave him longer because of that 09 Cup win. So I definitely see Mike. So this is you know the only the, way I could see Mike Sullivan getting fired is if like, we get quick, swept like this year, even if next we year. get swept this if we do really bad this postseason and. We start the season off really bad. That's the only reason. That's the only way I could see Mike Sullivan getting fired. But I'm not going to think about it right now because the Penguins are winning hockey games, and Mike Sullivan's a dope coach. And I think feel like one day yeah. too he could be promoted to GM of the Penguins. That's how valuable I think he is. And I think All right, he definitely. Knows I think the game Lemieux well. knows that, and also too, if you fire him, you might offer him a front office position too, so another team doesn't get him. Yeah, just to wrap this question up here, there's no reason. Like, this has nothing to do with how what's happening right now. For those who are wondering, this is just speculation. Good question from this guy right here. But yeah, I will we'll, say this. Yeah, yeah to, to wrap it up uh, about this question, I don't think Mike Sullivan should be worried about getting fired no. anytime soon. No, but but if if it were to happen, I could see it happening. Like, let's say the Penguins start struggling. You know, who decides Mike Sullivan getting fired? It's Jim Rutherford. So I could see Jim Rutherford. Because in my opinion, if someone's going to get fired eventually, it's going to it has to be Jim Rutherford before if, Mike Sullivan. I feel like Sullivan is yeah. Sullivan, Sullivan can given, only play with the pieces that Jim Rutherford exactly, gives him. Exactly, exactly. And if That's those pieces aren't good, like if we keep getting contracts like Jack Johnson, that I think Jim Rutherford, if if I don't know, he, Jim, I'd say he needs to. I don't know. He's done some Listen, good I'm not going to call for Jim Rutherford to get I'm fired. I'm not going to call think... for it either, but yeah. it's just it's just a matter of the trade deadline too this year. If we go out and get another co- player like Gabranson, just waste a trade, then 
I'll start questioning too if his trades because at the beginning his trades were solid. But let's yeah let's Very let's good. move on to another question because this is a topic that we won't talk about. Yeah, hopefully we, <laughs> we really won't talk that. about for. I don't think we need to. Years. A couple years. Yeah, there's no reason to talk about anybody getting fired right now, especially with the Penguins winning with everybody injured. But yeah, let's do one more final question here. Uh, you know, those were two longer questions. Let's just wrap it up here. A nice little fun question. Going back to Sam Lafferty, this guy wants to know Lafferty's final stats if he plays all 82 games or all games left this year without getting injured. Uh, so I'm going to give you the unrealistic. If he keeps going the rate he's going, I could see him getting 30 goals, 20 assists. I don't know what the final math is in my head because I'm horrible at math, but I, if the rate he's going like that and plays all the 82 games is on fire like that, I think that's reasonable. If he doesn't play all the 82 games, I could see him finishing with around 20 goals and maybe 26 assists, good 40 points. Uh, that's how good I think he is going to be. So, Yeah, that, I, I actually uh, – I feel like Sam Lafferty – uh, 30 goals is – if we can get 30 goals right there, that's perfect. That, that I, said, like, the I, I, said, so I said at the beginning, to the, I said that unrealistic. So I think you should give your unrealistic goal for him and then give a somewhat realistic goal for him. That's a very good way of doing it. So uh, I think honestly – I mean this is tough because is he going to play all games, right? You know people are going to come back soon, but I'm going to go with the thought of he's going to play this way uh, until – everybody comes back and when everybody does come back you'll have no choice but to keep him in the lineup because you'll be stupid to send him down if he's playing this type of way for a good month so i'm gonna say uh, i i definitely think he's gonna slow down there's no at this pace he's gonna get 50 which is obviously not happening so he's definitely gonna slow down I'm he could say, be the next wayne gretzky can you imagine that <laughs> all right know. i'll let you finish uh yeah but i'm gonna say uh uh, I'm gonna okay. Realistically, I'm gonna say around 17 goals to 20, and 20 is a lot. If he can get 20 right there, that's a success for him. No matter what happens, if he gets uh, nothing in the playoffs, whatever happens, if he gets somewhere even near 20 for a guy that wasn't even supposed to make the NHL for this year, uh, I definitely saw him coming up midway if there was a ton of injuries. But looks like he got his chance right now because there was a ton of injuries. Uh, if he can get, I think because look, he's already at three in in four games. Is it in there? Yeah, three in four games. So if I think he's already almost there, right? So he's almost at 10. I think 10 is definitely a goal that he, he can reach by, we'll say, January, even before. I think 20 right there, if we can get 20 goals, 40 points, that's a, sec- a success for him. That's if he stays in the lineup. Assuming he gets sent down again or healthy scratch because everybody comes back, I'm going to say he'll hover around 30 points in around 60-ish games. I don't think he'll play all the games. Uh, if he does, if he does play every single game left, and obviously, hopefully, gets a jump in the lineup, maybe plays in the top nine, maybe gets some a chance with Crosby eventually. How long until Sullivan tries that? Right, he he does it with everybody pretty much who comes up from the minors. So when the time where where the Penguins are down in a game and they try Lafferty with Gensel and Crosby, and he starts doing great, uh, I think that's a possibility. I think we're going to see that by before November with how Mike Sullivan works his lines. Uh, if, if that's the case, then I could see fifty points if if he gets the first line role right there. But that's so many ifs with your young players. This is such a good problem to have too. So uh, I'm going to keep an eye out on Lafferty as we all are. Uh, if he, Even at this point, if he finishes with, with 10 goals, it's a success. It's 10 goals more than we thought he was going to get at the beginning of the year. So uh, I think uh, if he's in a good spot, him too. He, there's no pressure on him. If he doesn't do good, well, guess what? You're a four-fine player. 
here only because of injury. So you're not supposed to be doing good. And if you do good, it's a huge bonus for the Penguins. So he's in a great spot, and the Penguins are in a great spot with him. So, yeah, that's all i got to say about Sam Lafferty. <laughs> he's going to win the Conn Smite when the Penguins win the Cup this year. End of discussion. Um, Beautiful. I would love all that. <laughs> so that sort of wraps up tonight's episode. Uh we were trying to keep it longer. We said at the beginning, but we ended up going 45 minutes, which isn't too bad. I think that makes the podcast better. And also, too, make sure you follow Instapens underscore, I believe, at the end of that. Um, that's where all the Penguins news updates will be, just like the old NHL pens. Um, we yes, also sir. have a poll out right now to see if you guys want snippets of the podcast uh, posted, like, example, we can have a hot take about Jack Johnson and how bad he is. But that's, or, like, how Crosby's playing, or even the Lafferty part, too. We pulled the Lafferty clip and we posted it on Instagram, and we can even post it on the in- Instagram stories so people can listen to it. So we're thinking about stuff. We're trying to grow it. Um, using the Instagram as well, and then follow in- in- NHL Pens on Twitter um, there. Um, and as always, make sure you subscribe to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you give us a review. And as always, let's go, Pens. Let